Testing, testing, one, two, three, check. <laughs> is this thing on? Is this thing on? There's so much dust and cobwebs. <sighs> yeah, it is dusty in here. So we are the Carolina Snowflakes. Where the hell have we been? And where the hell have we been? We've been on a sort of extended uh, spring break, I'd say. What would you say? Uh, Considering that it's now summer, yeah. Yeah, so I'm uh, Jason, and you are? I'm Amanda. And we are the Carolina Snowflakes. We have been on an extended break. Um, a lot of things happened during this time period. Uh, one of those things was coronavirus. Yeah, we got COVID. So that happened. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of those things that happens to you. At least this, we got sick enough to where it messes up your ability to, say, be consistent and put out a podcast, for messes example. messes up your ability to do just about anything. Yeah, and so um, we got to talking during, the, during this extended break we've had about the show, and I think we kind of landed on changing directions with it a little bit. I think... What we talked about was going a little bit more long form, like tell a long, long story instead of trying to do a new story every week. I think that might be easier on the old uh, body <laughs> and mind. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work to put out an episode every week, especially since we both have full-time jobs. Too. Yeah. So I thought, you know, we, we, we talked about it and we sort of landed on like, let's try a, a new a new format. And um, I wanted to start off the new format with uh a, a new um, way to introduce it, and that way is to I've written a sort of a, I guess you could call it a presentation oh. on what it is I wanted to cover. <laughs> what I did on spring break. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be something I want to read that just sort of describes what it is I'm uh, trying to do because I think uh, we want to tell a long, uh, detailed story. It's gonna take several several episodes to tell, so I want to just read that for you now. Milking lol cows. Toxicity, bullying, and internet culture. (laughs) In internet terms, a lol cow is a person whose eccentric or foolish behavior can be exploited to amuse onlookers. These people often don't know they're being made fun of and respond to nearly every interaction that comes their way. They are full of potential lols that are easily extracted online. This is a person that exists in our society, in our culture, that gets trolled unmercifully on the internet. They get called lol cows. It's a real phenomenon, and I wanted to talk about it, and that is what we're doing. The series is called Milking Lol Cows. Lol, like L-O-L yes. cow. Yes, like a cow of lols. Okay. Yes. So, it's 2022, and the internet is officially everywhere. At this point, nearly everyone spends more time online than they do offline. The culture of internet is widely discussed, and it seems most people agree that along with the good, there's some significant bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> this series of episodes will explore the history of the internet toxicity in several parts. I want to talk about how we got to where internet culture is now, and how this history of toxicity factors into the internet we devour so readily today. The best way I can think to outline the history is to start with the first and biggest and longest-running saga of internet harassment that the world has ever seen. Mm. This is the story of Chris Chan. The story of Chris Chan is a framework that branches in several directions. It twists and turns over two decades, and it's still ongoing. It's really easy to see how in this one story, a lot of ideas, memes, and even whole websites have developed and evolved their own ecology around internet trolling. After telling that story, I will highlight some other notable lolcals and some of the websites that harbor the legions of trolls ready to milk them for all the lols they can get. 
Then we'll show how all this leads to the online culture war that rages every day around us. Then, hopefully, by that point, we'll have examined some possible solutions to the problem, had a few laughs, and educated anybody along the way. <clears throat> that is my sort of that written presentation. Very well done. Thank you. I'm thank impressed. You. Yeah, that's that's the general idea of what we want to do here. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm trying to educate on um, toxicity, internet culture, bullying, cyberbullying, harassment, and other cultural issues that are affecting everyone. And I think it's all tied up in these stories. And it's going to take a long time to tell them because they are stories that have taken place over the last 20 years. And the first story we're going to go into, as I said, is the biggest and most ridiculous story of all. And that's the story of Chris Chan. And that's Chris Chan. Chris Chan. Like C-H-R-I-S-C-H-A-N. Yes, Chris Chan. Okay. Chris Chan is a human being. Chris Chan is a person who was born and became throughout their life. Some things happened that caused them to be the most cyberbullied person in all of history. This person has had more experience with the internet destroying their life and bullying them and tricking them and hurting them than any other person by a long shot. Mm. And to give you an idea of how big the scope of this is, is people have studied Chris Chan and what happened to them and this whole story so much that they call themselves Christorians <laughs> and what they consider themselves to be studying is called Christory, uh-huh. which is the history of this person and their internet trolling. My goodness. Yeah, that's how much this person has been trolled. There is a wiki that's uh, like 8,000 pages long on Chris Chan and their entire life story and all the different sagas and in- interlapping troll groups and drama that involves this, this person. So it's a really well-documented thing. In fact, some people say he's the third most documented person in history after uh, Hitler and Jesus, <laughs> Hitler and Jesus, yeah. and Chris Chan. The people say it very seriously that like he might be the more or as documented as anybody in history. Well, does Jesus have an eight thousand page wiki? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there's a YouTube documentary so- series called Chris Chan: A Comprehensive History. It's at sixty something episodes right now mm-hmm. and uh, over fifty hours long. Wow! And that is just telling some of the story. Of this person. So this is all things that happened in the public spotlight. And um, it's really a crazy tale. It goes way off the rails. If you don't know the story of Chris Chan, this is going to be, this is going to be a hell of a story. It's going to be hard to believe at points, but all this really happened to one person. And I think it is a perfect case study in the um, exactly what it is. I wanted to talk about, to try to solve maybe, or at least have an important discussion about. So are you in? What do you think of the idea? I'm in. Are you interested in old Chris Chan and seeing how the hell this person ended up being so documented and sought after? And Yeah. Yeah. All I'm right. in. All Let's right. do it. So we're in. We were going to start with, I was going to tell the story chronologically as best as that I can. Now it is a very long story. As I said, it takes place over a long period of time. So, there are going to be sections of it that are going to be like sagas, we're going to call them, certain sections of Chris's life that have a certain moral arc to them or a certain narrative arc to them that we can kind of break apart. But the story is very long and it's going to take uh, a while to get through. So the first part of the story, 
I think, is a disclaimer. <laughs> and the disclaimer needs to be that in around 2014-ish, Chris uh, became transgendered and transitioned into Christine. She uh, went from male to female transition. And, you know, she sees a doctor and she's on medicine. And it's a very, you know, um, documented transition. And that can be very confusing in the story because throughout most of their lives, she identified herself as a he and so did everyone ar around them. So even though she now realizes that she's a she and has, has, has embraced being a she, that was not always the case, even in her own head. Um, and that is reflected in the people around her. So I feel like it can get very complicated with gender and I'm going to change pronouns as best that I can, but the story can only be told uh, in understanding how the world sees Chris um, and not necessarily how Chris is identifying herself, if that makes any sense. Okay, yeah. So that's the sort of gender disclaimer we have to start gender off with. Gender disclaimer. To start off with, because it's going to get really confusing really quickly on gender, and you'll see pretty right away why this is a thing. So I just wanted to get it out of the way that I have respect for transgendered individuals. I have respect for Chris's right to be a transgendered person. I think she deserves the pronouns that she wants. And I think other transgender people deserve the pronouns that they want. And I don't want to anybody to think that I feel otherwise about it because I don't. That's how I feel. Um, but I also want to tell a story. And this is a complicated-ass story. And gender is a humongous part of it. So I'm just going to do my best. So what we're going to start off with is what's called pre-Christory, or the, <laughs> um, as the Christorians say, uh, the, the, the pre-Christory. Um, there are people who consider themselves to be even more educated on Chris. They're called Christographers. They might be people that biography Chris. Um, I'm, what, I'm what I would consider to be like an amateur, very, very amateur level, entry level Christorian. I'm interested in the history and, and understanding it. Um, but I am not by any means a uh, Christographer, so I want to get that straight <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> oh my gosh. So this is from an amateur Christorian's uh, Now Now these people getting paid to do this? Uh, we'll get into that. Okay. That becomes an issue. Uh, yes, it does. Okay. Um, like any internet saga, there are people who are just going to make money off of the attention. Right. And that's that happens in this case very much so. So uh, we will get there. <laughs> so we, I figure we start pre-Christory with uh, just how Chris was raised. So we'll start off with Chris's birth. Chris was born on February 24th, 1982. Christian Weston Chandler was born. He was born two days before me. Two days before like you. Like literally same year and everything. Yeah, two days before you were born. <laughs> A person named Christian Weston Chandler was born to parents Barb and Bob Chandler. Okay, Bob was an engineer, and he was 64 at the time, which is pretty old to be having yeah, a kid. Yeah. Um, he was an engineer. He worked for Western Electric for a long time and had done pretty well for himself, but had gotten injured and had been on disability for a little while. Barb was a person who never really worked. She'd had a couple of husbands before, and things didn't work out. Both Barb and Bob had had kids from previous marriages that they were estranged from and even one of the kids uh, emancipated themselves from their parents legally jesus so they had not had a very good uh setup so far and they're uh barb is 50 and she, you know bob is 64 so 
they are pretty old to be having a a, a child. Yeah. And it's in rural Virginia as well, kind of near Charlottesville. I think it's uh, Richmond where they had the where they had Christian and you know they were from the very beginning not very great parents. I think what we know is that Chris was left alone as a very young child a lot with babysitters and that they would go out drinking and that neither one the of them parents would go out the drinking. parents would go okay. out drinking and leave a baby at home with a babysitter. Okay. That's what we know about the really early, early years from Chris. The rest of it you have to take from Chris's word, which is hard to believe, uh, you'll, as you'll see. Um, but at some point in the early life, Chris was diagnosed with autism. Around age six is the accepted sort of thing. There's been paperwork that's been posted online to suggest that around age six... Chris was diagnosed by a doctor with autism, which is actually pretty good for the 80s, if you consider the time period. Yeah. Being diagnosed with autism at six years old is actually kind of early, uh, from my understanding. Well, yeah, I mean, I was there. I remember the 80s, and, like, that just... it. I don't feel like autism was nearly as known about or discussed as it is today. Yeah. At all. So to have that actually diagnosed at that point is kind of impressive go 80s <laughs> yeah i know it is kind of impressive i actually kind of give respect to the whatever doctor uh did that mm. but bob and barb didn't respond that well to it um they both sort of they were very old school southern and they didn't like the idea of chris being special or separate so bob and barb m- maintained chris in regular school and made sure that chris wouldn't be given special attention for their disability, mm, okay. which I think was a mistake in the law. We'll have to come back to this later as to whether or not that was a mistake, but I think it, it's like a precursor to everything. Yeah. Um. It, it's, it's, but Chris ends up being put into the world with everyone else. Yeah. They thrust him into general pop and tried to pretend in the schools and be like, here you go, kid. Tried to luck. pretend like the kid is, is, is just like everyone else when it becomes very clear, very early on that Chris is not like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the parents were kind of absent. Chris was raised pretty heavily by television and babysitters. Chris claims, she claims that when she was very young, she was locked in a dark room by herself for a very long period of time by a babysitter. No one knows if this story is true or not, but it seems to be very impactful for Christine. And she says it is a major turning point in her life. Um, that feeling of loneliness, abandonedness, her parents not being there, um, I feel like is it is where it all comes from. I feel, feel like there's a theme of her feeling abandoned by her parents who just didn't know. They just didn't know how to raise uh, an autistic child. And they just let the television do it for them. Well, they had a kid prior. One of them did that divorced. Them, yes. So it yeah. sounds like they just didn't know how to parent at all. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That's essentially w- what sort of happened. And so when Chris was six years old and diagnosed with autism, he had just become verbal at that point. So from the age of about six weeks until about six years old, Chris was nonverbal completely. I mean, like mm. she would make sounds, but the, the, the communicate, there were no words. And uh, according to Barb, which this story is apocryphal, who knows if it's true or not, but according to Barb, <laughs> one day they were at the, at a shopping store, like at Walmart and Chris picked up a back a box of cereal and started reading it, and Barb threw it in the buggy because, you know, 
Chris was using words as like a way to reward him. And then she handed him a toy and he starts reading the back of that box. So she throws that into the thing, into the cart and buys that for him. And I don't know if that story is true or not, but it certainly something happened where Chris was nonverbal, probably from a trauma, maybe related to this babysitter. There are people who hypothesize Chris maybe have been molested at this time. Mm. And there's no way to really know. Something happened, though, right. that uh, caused Chris to be nonverbal for a really long period of time, which is not particularly normal in a child. And, and then when he did decide to be verbal, be, he, he was reading... And getting rewarded, getting rewarded for it, right? Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's an interesting thing to keep in mind with, uh, w- with where things are going to go with Chris. So, at some point in school, Chris claimed to have been assaulted by a male staff member at the school, and Chris called this homo abuse. Now, this is where the genders get confusing because at the time, Chris identified as a a male who was being assaulted by another male. And said that this was homosexual assault. Now, Chris now is a she. And she says that it was still homosexual at the time. Because the man didn't know that she was a she. Mm, okay. Um, see how that can get complicated? Yeah. Um, because Chris was very... Um, Chris's parents raised him to be very homophobic. So Chris was homophobic from a very early age. And this incident in, this is like elementary school. Mm-hmm. This incident in elementary school with this alleged homosexual assault is the first of many times when Chris would express a lot of homophobia, which um, I have to assume came from Bob and Barb because uh, kids don't come up with that on their own, I don't Correct. think. Correct. Yeah. So they, uh, the, the parents actually file a lawsuit, which is really interesting, against the school. And it causes a lot of drama in the county. It doesn't go well. And they get ran out of town, essentially moving uh, from uh, Richmond to uh, Rutgersville, Virginia. Rutgersville, Virginia is about 30 minutes north of Charlottesville, to give you an idea of where we're talking about. So it's rural south. Right. And uh, they actually have to, like I said, move move towns because of this lawsuit and all the scandal that goes with it, which is not great. No. So the next like part of the, the story is actually pretty good. Um, it's the... One of the most positive things that will happen in all of Chris's life up until, I mean, probably forever. Um, And that is in 1993, Chris won a $1,000 shopping spree from Sonic the Hedgehog for uh, KB Toys. And if you could think back to then, $1,000 at a toy store for a, 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 what, six-year-old kid... That's pretty awesome. Yes, I would. I would have been down for that. Yeah, it was a big deal. Uh, the whole family got together, went to the mall. You know, the news showed up and filmed a segment about this young local kid who wins thousand dollar Sonic the Hedgehog shopping spree, which is pretty cute. It's 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 interesting because it it's a highlight of of Chris's life. And what's interesting is that they saved the video. The video of this got saved and then later uploaded to YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually going to play the audio of this video for you so you can hear the very first video of Chris Chan that exists in the world. <laughs> Christery. Yeah, this is the very first piece of Christery. Are you ready to hear it? I'm ready. 
Finally tonight, Sonic the Hedgehog is running wildly in the Chandler household this weekend. 12-year-old Christian Chandler of Charlottesville was the winner in a video game shopping spree. Christian is one of only about 100 winners nationally to receive $1,000 worth of Sega games and equipment. For his parents, it's just another example of how well he's doing. Christian is a high-functioning autistic child. This past fall, on his own initiative, he entered a contest based on a favorite cartoon character. What I had to do was exactly watch Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon and, and listen to what Sonic says at the end of it and write it down for a whole week and then I had to mail it in and I had to be drawn out of a hat and I just won. And Christian's father says it only takes a few hours for him to master an electronic game and then move on to another. I can't master any of them. That's it for now and it's... <laughs> I can't master any of them. <laughs> so that is uh, that is the first piece of Christery, and you can already tell, even from the audio, that it's weird, and yeah. that it's interesting. And it's so old. Yeah, the, 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 I feel like that clip is just funny by itself, because it's from the 80s, and it's the news. Yeah, no. well, was it the 80s? Because how old was he in that? Oh, it was 93, so it was... Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I think he was a little bit older than... Yeah, he was... Yeah. It was 93, but still, the point being, it's a very old news clip from uh, yeah. VHS. And, and it looks it looks like it's from the late 80s, early 90s. Mm -hmm. the, the lady uh, doing the news has big hair. <laughs> he's he's wearing this brightly colored, striped yellow and, and blue and red shirt. It's, it's exactly what a young child would wear. I think it's... One of the interesting things about it is that it says that he's highly functioning autistic in the in the in the news video. Well, that's supposed to make the the viewers go like, "Oh." Yeah. I think. Well, if you can if you could I'll, I'll post the video linked and if you watch it, you'll see that Chris has a hard time making eye contact in it. He's all over the place. Mm, yeah. Um and it's it's clear that he has some kind of disability. Um if you're familiar with the symptoms of autism, it should be kind of he yeah, displays no, a lot of them. Yeah, it's definitely obvious. And so I think that might have been why they included it, but it's really interesting. Um, so yeah, he wrote down the, the thing Sonic said at the end of episode and sent it in, and he and won. won. And got a thousand bucks, which he spent on all uh, video games. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that's a good highlight, a nice piece of positive history, because I, as much as I hate to be the foreshadower, it's going to be downhill after <laughs> after this. <laughs> This is so really he, so he peaked at twelve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is pretty much a highlight. It's gonna go. It's gonna just go downhill after mm -hmm, this. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so the next part of uh, the Chris Chan saga is what I what I refer to as like the inception of uh, Sonichu, the beginning of what would make Chris Chan um, so trolled on the internet, and that is Chris was bullied a lot in school, and as I said, Bob and Barb didn't do a very good job on teaching him social skills on how to not get bullied. And it, you can even tell from the video that we just watched that Chris picks up a lot of mannerisms and stuff that he got from older people. I think it's a single <laughs> yeah. child yeah. being raised by sort of authoritarian he, role. If you see the video, he looks like a, yeah, he looks like a 12 year old old man. Yeah. And so <laughs> that doesn't bode well for them in school at all. No. And, Chris gets bullied extensively. Mm. And I think Chris starts to escape in a lot of their own minds and what they can create, their creativity, this creative world. And one day in school, this is about the year 2000, so right near when Chris would be graduating, um, 
because I believe you graduated in 2000, right? I did. Yeah. Yep. So right before graduation, Chris was doing an assignment in class to do a a, a jewel case for for a CD. And Chris wanted to put their two favorite characters in it, uh, Sonic and Pikachu. Uh-huh. But the teacher told him they weren't allowed to use any copyrighted materials. And this really bothered Chris. So Chris came up with a genius, and I mean genius strategy. There are times <laughs> in this story when Chris is right. And this is one of those times. Chris decided to merge the two characters and create Sonichu. Mm. A merging of Sonic and Pikachu. Right. Now, Pikachu is lightning and Sonic is fast. It all works. All you have to do is change Sonic's skin to be like Pikachu's skin and boom, you've got a new character. So Chris thwarts the system and creates a character at the same time. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty genius. Yeah. And Chris becomes very enamored with this character. Sonichu becomes... A, a, a representation of Chris's view of themselves and becomes a, an outlet. And so Chris starts creating like little comic book strips and um, art around Sonichu around this time to uh, start to flesh out this world that Chris, this imaginary world that Chris has in their head about the way, their, their view of understanding the world. Because as I said earlier, Chris was raised by television. And so... Chris's understanding of the world is very cartoonish, very comic booky, mm-hmm. and so it was an, a sort of logical step for them to create a character, and then make their lives into a, a character, a character from a comic book, and that's sort of what happens. So, if you remember around this time, there wasn't really MySpace yet. No, not yet. But there was Live Journal. There was Live Journal, and there was like Friendster. Friendster, yeah. and I think DeviantArt comes around pretty early. Uh, that might be later. I don't think it was that early. Well, at any rate, Chris starts to post some of these comic books on the internet, mm-hmm. on Friendster, on uh, Live Journal, on some of the early, early platforms, and also save you know the the ones that Chris has drawn, and you know he starts creating like actual comic books, Sonichu comic books, and he starts to insert himself into the comics as Christian Weston Chandler. Okay. And uh, Christian Weston Chandler, or CWC, that becomes a really important thing in the story. CWC is pronounced quick for any for anybody out there who's unnoted. And in the in the Sonichu comic books, Quickville is where everyone lives, or CWCville. Um, quick is a is a thing that goes with the fast character of Sonichu. It all fits together. So Chris is putting these pieces together in a very creative and, and, and genius sort of a way. It's um it's intriguing because the artwork is not very good. <laughs> so Chris <laughs> isn't a very talented artist, but the the soul is there. And I think maybe the one of the best ways to to explain it is I'm going to show you, you've never seen this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you live now a, a photo, a picture of of one of these Sonic Chew comic books. And going to get you to describe what you see for the audience. So we're going to go ahead and... I think that'd be the best way to explain this. So we're going to go ahead and do it that way. Okay. All right. So I've shown uh, our gorgeous co-host here, Amanda, a picture. And I'm going to ask her what to describe what she sees. So it's a picture of a uh, boy mm-hmm. in the center uh, standing on a, a gray stage with... Um, a sign above that says Sonic Chew uh-huh. Special CWC's Love Quest Saga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says 
Comics number four, drawn November 2nd, 2005. There you go. And to the left is a picture of a floating head of a woman with devil horns Mm -hmm. that says, you'll never get away from loneliness. Ha, ha, ha. Yes. And to the right (laughs) of the boy is a, a floating head uh, of something that says my wooden badge was delicious Mm -hmm. and then there's a sign that says virginia is for virgins (laughs) (laughs) yeah and um another floating head uh to the right that says true love is illegal in virginia Mm -hmm. and then at the bottom it says all sonic chew material are copyrighted march 2000 to 2006 by christian w Chandler. <laughs> yes. And it looks like the boy in the in the drawing has something wrong with his skin. Mm-hmm. Like I don't it's splotchy red and it mm-hmm. looks like it's done that way on purpose. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know why. Okay. Well, that is a very accurate description of it. And and how, yeah. what was the quality of it you'd say? What is it what how old of a person does it look like drew that? If I saw this and didn't know, I would think that it was drawn maybe by a 10 or 11 year old. Right. And then to know that it was in, de- in fact drawn by someone who was. Who was at least, well, at this point was in their early 20s. Early 20s. Yeah. So that gives you an idea of, of why people found it so very compelling. Right. Yeah. So it, it's drawn by a, a person in their 20s and it does not look that way. And I think that's part of the appeal to people. I think people found it very intriguing. It's interesting. Who would create. Something this wild. Right. I mean, look at this thing. It's wild. And I think it, although hasn't gotten very popular online yet, it's sitting there. It's being, it's building. There's a build with this comic book. And more and more people are finding it and just finding it eccentric and weird and interesting. At the same time, Chris begins what I call the Love Quest Saga, what in the comic book, as you saw it was titled, right. the Love Quest Saga. So I feel now's the best time to bring that up to explain who that lady is with the, the horns on her head. Yeah, the floating head. And why Virginia's for virgins and what that <laughs> is all about. Uh-huh. So that's all tied up in uh, this section of Christory that we're going to call uh, the, the Love Quest Saga. So at, at, at around after graduating high school, during high school, you know, Chris had had a lot, of, a lot of gal pals, he called them, girls that he could pal around with because they were forced to be around him and it just sort of worked. And, and it, as it turns out, Around this time, Chris finds out that when Chris was young, Bob had paid some young girls, local girls in the neighborhood to hang around with him and be his friend. <laughs> yeah. And so he he graduates and he finds out that his dad had bribed kids when he was little. To be his friend. To pretend to be his friend. And that some Ugh. of his quote unquote gal pals were uh, bribed and not actual girls that wanted to be friends with him. And this hurts Chris because Chris has decided that uh, his love quest, the quest for finding a girl, uh, a quote-unquote boyfriend-free girl, is what he's yeah. looking for. Uh-huh. He, he's looking for a boyfriend-free girl, is what he says, and to find that, you know, becomes the most important thing in Chris's entire uh, life. So Chris graduates, starts attending uh, a community college, and Chris comes up with a, I mean, kind of a Chad strategy for, for how to get a girl, in the sense that it's very straightforward. Chris starts to make these signs um, that he wears around his neck or that he can put on display and then sort of sit at at the cafeteria. <laughs> at school. At school. 
<laughs> and the signs say, I'm a 21-year-old male seeking an 18 to 21-year-old single female companion. I'm serious. I want an 18 to 22-year-old boyfriend-free woman. I am so sad and single. It's terrible. I'm lonely. Oh, and man. so, <laughs> could you imagine? No, this this person who's who's you know he's he's large and intimidating and dresses like a child and has these big signs that are written in like caricature cartoon handwriting that says I'm a I'm looking for a boyfriend free girl. That's just a weird and b kind of sad. It's really kind of sad, and it doesn't go well as you could imagine. Like. The college doesn't look too kindly on it, let's say. No, So there's really. a, a lady who comes in at this point named the Dean of Student Services. Her name is Mary Lee Walsh. That is the lady with the demon horns oh, telling Chris yeah. that Chris will never be happy oh. and never find love. Well, so she's the, the devil. Yes, and okay. she tells Chris that this is soliciting sex and that it's forbidden on campus. It's like prostitution. Oh, my goodness. And Chris at the time is very upset about this because Chris at the time identifies as a male and says that if Chris was a female, this wouldn't happen. So this is another time when gender gets confusing because later Chris would be a female. Well, I would say it would happen. Uh, yeah. I would argue that it would happen either way. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think maybe people would react differently if it was a female doing it either way. It didn't go well. I think if it was a female doing it, they would not find it as, sad they would yes. be like what are you doing well I, I don't think a female would have to do it for long it would work right away yeah she her sign would just it wouldn't yeah yeah it would be unnecessary it would yeah. just work right away you wouldn't need to carry around for a while <laughs> yeah no yeah or set up in front yeah. of the cafeteria no and just for the record there are documented like uh these signs there was a problem with the school and there was photos taken of them that were later uploaded um chris saved a bunch of them and has uploaded pictures of them so, so this, you can see this, picture, all this is real. pictures of these signs mm -hmm. in the Christery. Yeah, it may sound like I'm making things up or alleging things. <laughs> this is all very heavily documented. It may sound like I'm full of shit. Yeah, I know this sounds crazy, <laughs> but all this is very well documented. There's proof of all of it. I, I'm not saying anything in here that isn't, is it, that I don't know for 100% fact to be mm -hmm. true, which is really crazy about the whole thing. Yeah. Um. It doesn't just happen at school either. It starts to happen at other places. So Chris goes to a local McDonald's and tries the strategy with the signs, and it doesn't go well there either. He runs into some managers, which he refers to as managerks, which managerks. is pl pretty clever. They make it into the Sonichu comic uh, as a, a sort of evil villain, the managerks. Um, it's clever. And uh, then the, the managerks end up calling the police, or the jerk-ops, as he calls them. Jerk-ops. Jerk -ops. Okay. Mixing cops and jerks together. There are a lot of... These are called quickisms. And he works all this into his comic. Into the comic book. Mm. So another way we know all this happened is because it works its way into the comic. But also because when people asked Chris, he would just openly upload pictures and photos to prove these things were real. Constantly. I see. So we know it all happened. Right. <laughs> so, um, but, this, but it's interesting. In the story where we're at now, Chris isn't really online interacting with anyone. Uh, we know all this from later. Um, all this get, got filled in later. I just think it's important to build who Chris is to understand where things go. Mm -hmm. So um, this goes on until, you know, around 2006 when when Chris graduates. This is the main thing. The, the Love Quest saga is what's happening. Chris is posting Sonic Chew comics. 
Chris's uh, <laughs> and demanding a boyfriend-free girl is trying to girlfriend. find a boyfriend-free girl. These quickisms start to become a thing. So these things that Chris Chan says that are very odd and very a very unique way of speaking and viewing the world. Boyfriend-free girl, and they're called quickisms because of the CWC, right? Like Quickville, yeah, like okay. Quickville, <laughs> which is the world, the imaginary world that Chris has made up where all this takes place, mm-hmm. um, and. That's sort of what's what's happening in Chris's life during the, during the saga. So, it's just this 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 constant quest for 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 a girlfriend that just never works out. One strategy that Chris tries is like taking a rock and tying a red string around it and throwing it at girls and hoping they would like he could reel them in like a fish. Like if they reached to pick up the rock, he could yeah reel them in. Reel them in like the old dollar bill <laughs> on the string trick. It's it's really. It's really interesting. It's cartoony. It's cartoony, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Is it's like the way a autistic person who was raised by television would think that you go about getting a girl. Mm. Um, or or you could think of it as a really Chad way, a really alpha male way of being like, I'm just going to disregard everything and just put it all out there in the open. Yeah, it's it's very vulnerable, Yeah, to be honest. It is. It is, to be honest. I feel um, there's a couple of things that happen. He gets rejected by a couple of girls for different reasons. One of them is because she has a boyfriend, and that's where the boyfriend-free thing comes oh, in. Oh, that's when he had to specify. He also um, he, he decides that he has rules about the girls. They can't just be 18 to 22-year-old girls. They also have to be white. They have to be um, either, according to him, middle or high income. They have to have their own car. And they're not allowed to be autistic at all. Hmm. Um, he, even though, describes himself as a highly autistic virgin. That's the words that, at the time, he used to describe himself. A highly autistic virgin. He did not want anything to do with any girl who was autistic. He's he very wanted, prejudiced against They that. had to come for money or have money? Yeah, they had to have money, a car... <laughs> And be white, uh, because he's pretty racist too. Um, there are things that Chris says in public that are racist. I feel like it all comes from Bob, yeah, and Barb. But it, it is the case. Like the N word is something that he says, mm. and in public, and it gets him in trouble quite a bit. And he, this is the reason it takes so long for Chris Chan to go to community college is that Chris keeps getting in trouble, and there are times when Chris is not allowed to attend school for periods of time because of the trouble that they've caused at school so they are they they get a two-year degree in like five years (laughs) because they kept getting kicked out yes suspended yeah so this goes on from 2000 to 2006 Uh, at one community college wow yeah (laughs) that poor devil woman yeah (laughs) she had her hands full yeah so the story is pretty pretty bad right like now you start to see it going uh downhill and we haven't even gotten to where the internet has really discovered Chris yet. Right, yeah. Um, this is just building who uh, who it is that we're talking about. This is just, this is Chris Chan. And so I thought this would be a good place to kind of end this week's episode and uh, keep you on a cliffhanger because we don't know, does Chris's love quest succeed? <laughs> does he ever find a boyfriend-free girl who who's from the suburbs and is white and drives a nice car. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and spoiler. He does not find that. Well, then I'm not <laughs> tuning in next time. He just ruined it. But, um, there are times when he thinks he does. So no, we'll, no. We'll, we'll get oh, into, no. we'll, we'll get into it. Um, and I think that's a good place to, to leave it because the next sagas are, uh, really complicated and it starts to get into when Chris gets discovered. So I feel like this is the perfect time. This is all pre Christery. 
This has set you up for who we're getting ready to dive into, the most trolled human being ever on planet Earth. Wow.